Class 2, Communicating Jesus to Our Children. I'm Molly Swander, and I serve as the Grow Zone Coordinator, and today I'll be joined by Katie Robinson, our Port City Kids Home Coordinator. Yeah, so before we jump in, let's do a quick recap. So last week, we talked about the importance of our relationships. First, our personal relationship with Jesus. Second, our relationship with our spouse. And third, our relationship with our children. But today, we want to take a deeper dive into our relationship with our children and how we can really begin to communicate Jesus to our kids. Yeah, so as we jump in, I want to share a story of a conversation that I had that began to change the way I think about my role as a parent. Um, A few years ago, I was in a conversation with a mom who is further down the parenting road than I am, and we were talking about parenting our kids. And in that conversation, she said something just so impactful to me. She said, we're not molding our children into who we think God wants them to be. We're cultivating them to be who God has already created them to be. And um, I love this verse from the book of Psalms. It's chapter 139, um, verses 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And I think this is just a beautiful reminder for us as parents that the creator of the universe created our children exactly as he wanted them to be. Uh, The difference here is subtle but crucial. We do not want to change our kids. We want to grow them. That is our role, to grow our kids. And I love this analogy. This is what I think of every time I hear that. Um, If you are a parent of little ones, maybe toddlers, I'm sure you have Play-Doh in your house. And if you play with Play-Doh with your kids, they can take this ball of Play-Doh and they can make it into a hideous monster, a beautiful flower, or even make it look like a piece of poop. Because if you have toddlers, you know that most of them are obsessed with poop. Now, say you have a flower, maybe somebody gave you a flower. Your job with a flower is not to figure out what it should be and try to make it. It's only to nurture and care for it so that it can grow into what it has already been created as. When God gave us our children, he did not hand us Play-Doh. He gave us beautiful flowers. So how do we grow them, though, and not change them? So when my oldest daughter, Brinley, was about four years old, I began to really struggle with our relationship. And as I took the time to think about why, I realized It was because there were parts of her personality that were so much like me as a kid and that growing up I had associated um, with being bad or negative. Uh, Brinley was strong-willed and emotional. She talked to everyone, everywhere. Um, She has no concept of personal space. She would literally hug every stranger she would meet. And I had to realize that this loud, social little girl that I was raising was exactly who God had created her to be, even though it made me uncomfortable. Um, And my role was not to change it, but to cultivate it. And I just had to figure out how to do that. And so here's what has worked for me, worked for us as parents. Um, 
speaking truth over our children and encouraging the unique way that God has created them. And it reminds me of how Mike often talks about when he was first married, he wrote down all the qualities he loved about his wife, Julie, because he wanted to always remember those first. And I think it's the same for our kids. If we can be aware of all the things we love about them or acknowledge that all the attributes of our children came from God and therefore are good, I believe that it will strengthen our relationship with our children. So for Brinley, um, it means reminding her daily that I love how empathetic she is. That is a gift. I love that she loves people and that people naturally love her and gravitate towards her. I mean, when she's out and about, she's in, you know, elementary school going into middle school and teenagers, you know, run up to her and are so excited to see her and she can hang with all the big kids. That is a gift. And as she grows, I just need to help her develop boundaries within that. And so I may say things to her like, Brinley, I love how well you love other people. But just let's try asking someone if they want to hug first. Or um, Brinley has a gift of telling the truth. We have been so blessed by her ability to almost always be honest with us. Um, But in that, she feels like she has to tell everyone everything um, or else Uh, she's lying. And so as her parents, we have to encourage her um, that telling the truth is a gift from God, um, but she does not uh, ever need to feel the the weight of guilt if every person she encounters doesn't know every good or bad thing she's ever done, as long as there are trusted people in her life like us as her parents who do. So what can that look like when your children are really, really little? So even as your children are little, I think you can begin to develop the habit of calling out these attributes of who God made them to be. Um, And I think if you do it now when they are little, even as babies, it will help to form them and form your relationship with them as they grow. So my middle daughter, Oakland, has had the most infectious laugh since she was probably about four months old, maybe even younger. I just remember her as an infant we would do a simple thing, like walk into a room, her sister would walk into a room, and she would burst out into the loudest cackling belly laugh. Uh, She is a lot older now, um, but when she gets laughing, you cannot help but smile. It truly lights up a room. Uh, That's a true gift from God that he created her to have, and as her parents, we remind her of that often. And honestly, we've gotten to the point that we say it so much that even now her sisters, um, when she gets laughing and gets really silly, they will tell her, Oakland, we love your, we love your laugh. It's so fun. It makes me smile or it makes me so happy. Um, it brings our entire family joy. It brings uh, people around her joy. And I think by speaking these types of truths over our children, we are building a bridge of trust that will open the door for conversations with our children because they know that we are for them. When we are continually reminding them that they are a gift from God, that he has given um, us and that their attributes are a gift that we love, um, that we love the way God has created them, it builds trust with our kids. I love this. I love the idea that we are laying a foundation of communication with our children by speaking truth over them. So what is next after that though? 
Okay, so um, now I think we begin to enter into conversations with our children. Um, and in a little bit, we'll talk about really practical ways um, to talk about God with our kids, especially as they are little. Um, but before that, we want to talk about the why. We want to begin to open the lines of communication um, while our children are little so that they feel safe to have harder conversations with us as they grow and conversations that ultimately point them and us to Jesus. Um, I read a blog post a while back that really spoke um, to what I believe my role is as a parent of littles, and so I'm going to share just a portion of it. It says, people often say to me, you can't keep your children in a bubble. And I reply, it's not a bubble. It's a greenhouse. A bubble stifles growth and blocks out nutrients. A greenhouse provides an environment for cultivation. Children's hearts need to be greenhoused before they're ready to be transplanted out into the world. We release when their roots are deep and they are mature enough to withstand the storms, but not beforehand. The greenhouse of our home has all the right conditions for these young seeds to grow and flourish. So a couple things. It talks about that word we used before, cultivation. We're helping our kids to grow into who God has created them to be. And then I love that it says we release when their roots are deep and they are mature enough to withstand the storms. As our children grow within the environment of our home, my hope is that they are growing the roots of God's love and goodness and provisions for them. So when they are older and living on their own and out in the world, they can withstand the storms um, and be reminded to seek God first. That is really good. So Molly, I'll ask kind of what are some ways um, in your house that you have engaged, engaged in conversations with your kids? And what does that look like to build both the trust and the dependence on God with them? Yeah, so well, at first, I think we create spaces for conversation, right? So one thing that we've done since our first daughter was born um, and that has just become a routine and that we still do today as a family of five is we have dinner together. Really, if we're home, then we have most meals together. So breakfast before school, even if that means we're all just standing around the counter and not everyone's sitting, um, we really try to have meal times together. And side note on that, study after study has proven that children whose families prioritize mealtimes, even just two or three times a week, are more likely to be happy, healthy, successful individuals. Um, and so we use those mealtimes intentionally as well. Each night at dinner, we go around and we say the best part of our day. And even if someone is really cranky, which actually happened last night, you know, and having a bad day, they have to say something. Um, and then once we've created space for conversations, I think there are really three things that we try to focus on as our kids have grown. Uh, one, we take the time to tell the why. For our family, um, we have ten intentionally taken the time to have conversations with our kids, um, you know, from the beginning about things that they see or hear that we may not agree with or that we may have to say no on so that they can understand the why behind our reasonings for things. And then two, we allow our kids to ask questions. Um, to have fruitful conversations with our children, we have to allow them a safe space to process their questions and to process the things that they're seeing and hearing and thinking. Um, to be honest, I've been in conversations with my daughters where they've all at different ages and times, normally when I'm not prepared at all, have asked me questions that have made me internally panic um, and sweat and be afraid to answer. And um, in those moments, I have to remember to stay calm and to let them process their thoughts that that is a good thing. Uh, there's a great podcast called Raising Boys and Girls that has a lot of great resources on how to have conversations with your children um, from a Christian worldview. So you should check that out. And then three, um, 
we aren't afraid to say, I don't know. I think we show our dependence on God when we teach our children that we do not have all the answers, um, but we are willing to seek answers together from God. Um, and we do this through prayer, through reading scripture, um, through seeking wise counsel. And when we have taken the time to have conversations with our kids in these ways, we are seeing the fruit of them acknowledging God's provision in and around them and asking and seeking guidance from us and from him. And as parents, you know, you might be thinking, my kids are so little and I can't have conversations with them yet. You know, just as an encouragement to parents, entering into conversations when your kids are little does not mean deep theological conversations. It has really meant just creating space for them to be with you and talk to you about their day. Even as little toddlers begin to talk to you, just being focused on them, help them see that what they are saying is important to you, even through the babbling phases and stuttering and stumbling and maybe not fully understanding what they are saying, just us stopping what we're doing to listen to them, to make eye contact and smile and ask them questions is so important. And so, you know, these foundational things that we just talked about, acknowledging, you know, that God has uniquely made our children and our role as their parents is to cultivate who has, he has created them to be. And, you know, this greenhouse idea of creating trusted spaces for conversations with our children as they're growing, you know, to point them to God is so important. Um, one thing we talk a lot about in children's ministry is making faith a normal and natural part of their everyday lives. Um, so now we want to kind of dive into how we can practically make God a part of our everyday lives when our children are really little. Yeah. And so kind of to do this, I really want to revisit that scripture in Deuteronomy six that Rich touched on last week. Um, and I'm going to read from the message, um, which I just really like how it's written specifically. But before we, I jump into reading that to you, I kind of want to paint a picture of what's going on in the context that's around this, um, So in Deuteronomy, um, Moses is talking to the Israelites. So the Israelites were God's chosen people, and um, they had been enslaved to the Egyptians for a very long time, and God had chosen Moses to deliver them out of slavery. And so um, Moses went to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. Pharaoh said no, and God performed um, all these miraculous signs through Moses. And finally, Pharaoh let him go, and even he changed his mind, and God had to split the the Red Sea in half so that the Israelites could walk through. And so they saw all of these beautiful, amazing miracles that God has done. Um, And just a side note, (laughs) I feel like the story of the Israelites and their— exodus out of Egypt is such a picture of our hearts sometimes, what we naturally tend to do. Um, So they saw all these miraculous signs similar to us seeing the miracle of God giving us these children and putting them in our lives. And um, it was only a few days and the Israelites started grumbling and complaining and they were frustrated about their circumstances and all the hard things. And and they were hard. They were facing some hard things. Um, But just like the Israelites, we too can tend to see that negative side. Um, but they continue on and it actually says that the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, um, before they reached the promised land that God had promised them. And a lot of this was because they doubted God and they questioned and they weren't sure who he was and they didn't trust him along the way. Um, but they finally get to this promised land and Moses is not able to go in with them, but he's talking to the Israelites and he's saying, Hey, before you go in, let's let's look back and let's remember all of these things that God has commanded us, the things he's promised us. Let's not forget these. So I'm going to pick up reading um, in Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4. It says, Attention, Israel. 
love God your God with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you and with all that you've gotten. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. I'm going to stop right there. So get them inside of you is the first thing that we have to do. Um, And I know Rich talked about this a lot um, last week, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I also think this is so important that it has to be something that authentically comes from inside of us for our kids to value it. Yeah, I mean, I think we know really well um, as parents of little kids, right? They can tell when we're being authentic, (laughs) can't they? Um, And so they're looking to see like, you know, before they can have faith, like, do my, do my parents really believe this stuff or are they just wanting me to get it? Right. Are they just saying it to say it because it sounds good or they, do they believe this too? Is this a part of their life? And so I think we have to prioritize our walk. Um, and I always get a little hesitant to say a quiet time because we have three little kids in our house and it's never quiet. So having a quiet (laughs) time is really hard, but we do have to intentionally make time to connect with God. And this could be that you do wake up really early in the morning and you do have the quiet in the house before anyone else wakes up. Um, but maybe it's after breakfast or maybe it's during nap time or maybe it's even when our kids are rolling around playing on the floor. Um, we have to find time to connect with God. Mike says that um, he does his quiet time like his life depends on it. And I remember hearing that years and years ago and I felt a little convicted because I felt like I did my quiet time because I was supposed to. <laughs> um But it really does make such a difference for you to stop and just reorient your heart towards God and the way that you treat your kids and the way that you treat others, it authentically pours out of you. You know, we talk about what's inside of us is what's going to come out. And I think that is so, so true. Um, So we have to prioritize our walk. Um, I remember a few years ago, I like saw this actually um, just a clear picture of this. My daughter my oldest, she gets a little nervous whenever she's in new places. And she was in pre-K and she was walking into um, her class for the first day of school. And she like kept walking slower and slower and was a little bit behind me. And so I bent down and um, I asked her like, hey, do you want me to pray for you before you go in? And um, at that point, I, I was doing my quiet time early in the morning before they got up. But something that someone had told me is that they would leave their Bible out afterwards so that their kids could know that they were spending a time with God. Otherwise, you would get up before your kids get up, you put your Bible back on the night, the the table beside your bed, and they never see it move. And so I had started leaving it out. We had never had any like profound conversations, but they would ask me what it was or what I wrote in my journal, things like that kind of along the way. And so that day I, I bent down, I said, hey, do you want me to pray for you? And she laughed at me and she said, mom, you pray for me every morning in your journal. And it wasn't this opportunity of like patting myself on the back or anything. It was just an opportunity to say, yeah, you're right, I do, because it matters to me, because I believe God hears our prayers, because I believe that whenever I'm feeling nervous or anxious about something, I can come to him and he wants to hear those. He wants to hear our prayers. And so that's why I want to pray for you right now, because that matters to me. It's true. And so um, I just think it's so important that we do that. And before I get off the soapbox of how important your walk is, I just think what Molly was just talking about um, with the example we get to be with our kids and connecting with them and building that relationship, we have this opportunity um, to be like the first glimpses of Jesus to our kids. Um, And that doesn't mean that we're perfect, but if we believe in God and we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we are called to bear his image. And so the way that we treat people, the way that we talk to one another, the way we talk to others, I think all of those are are opportunities that we have to show our kids the goodness of who God is. And that isn't a a pressure-filled thing that we have to be perfect because 
we are called to bear his image, but not to be perfect imitators of him. Like they still need Jesus to be Jesus to them. That's not our job, but we do get to show them who he is by the way that we live our life. Um, So I'm going to continue reading in Deuteronomy. So it says, get these things inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them from the time um, you wake up to the time you go to bed, when you're walking in the street or when you're sitting in your house, talk about them at all times. Um, And then it goes on um, a few verses down. It says, uh, when God, your God, ushers you into the land that he has promised you through your ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the things that he's promised you, when you get in there, you're going to walk into large bustling cities, well-furnished houses. You're going to come upon wells and vineyards and all of these things. And when you take it all in, when you settle down and you're pleased and you're content, make sure you don't forget how you got there. God brought you out of slavery in Egypt. So we talk about what it looks like um, to get it inside of our children. And I think that this is such a beautiful example of this. Um, We talk about him from the time we wake up until the time we go to bed at night. That's how we do this. Um, And then all of these things that it gives examples of that you're going to encounter. I think this is a picture of what we as parents um, come across. We, you know, from the time that our, we know that we're pregnant, we want to make everything perfect for our kids. We want to make sure they have the perfect crib, they have the perfect um, stroller, the perfect pacifiers, the perfect swaddles, and then they're born and they have to have the perfect bottles and they have to eat the right foods. And then we realize we might need a bigger car for all of their stuff <laughs> um, or a bigger house to fit everything in. And we've got to have the house in the right neighborhood so they have the right friends and they're in the right school. And it just goes on and on. And we can so easily get focused on building this kingdom that is perfect for our children. And I don't think those are bad things. They are such good things and intentional things. But God's saying, when you get all of those things, when you have built this life that you desire for your children, don't forget how you got there. And I think it's so easy for us um, to think like, I worked really hard. I deserve this house. I work really hard. Like I've provided all of these things for my children. Um, But I think one of the top ways we can get this inside of our children is we can be grateful that God has provided opportunities for all of these things. Um, And that happens just in the way that we talk about that. Um, Something my husband and I try to do is we try to make a point to say, you know, we're playing outside and we have a really great day. And, and we just make an opportunity to bring God into that. God, I'm so thankful that we have this house and that we get to play outside. I'm so thankful that God has provided Miss Norma that walks by with her dog and we get to talk to her. I'm so thankful when we go to church that God has helped us to know Ava and Emma and that we have friendship with their families. Um, there are just so many ways that we can be grateful and we could just think those things inside of ourselves. But as it's talking about how do we get this inside of our children, I think we tell our kids those things. I think we invite them into having a posture of gratitude as they go. Um, And then I think the other thing is that we just include him. Um, We include him in everything that we do and we talk about him. Just like it says in scripture, we talk about him from the time we get up till the time we go to bed at night. Um, And we can do this in really, really simple ways. So maybe you're driving in the car and you look out the window and you say, um, man, what do you see out the window? And and if your kids are little and they're in their car seats, they're probably at some point going to say trees. And you can simply say, yeah, who do you think made those trees? God did. That's right. What are some other things that God made? Um, or if they're tying their shoes before you're getting ready to go or putting their shoes on, you could ask, do you think there's anywhere you could go in these shoes that God can't go? No, God is everywhere. He is always with us no matter where we go. 
that can be it. It's a very short, just opportunity to bring him into those conversations. Um, my kids love um, excavators and on Market Street right now, there are more excavators than they could ever dream of. <laughs> um, and so we just try to say like, oh man, those people who are working with those excavators, they're really good at building things. That's really cool that God made them to be able to do that. What are some things that you're really good at? How did God make you? Um, and it's just a simple way to talk about him. And I know that it can feel weird at first. I always think about talking about God kind of like working out. If you don't currently do that or you haven't for a while, then um, I don't know if you've ever gone to the gym and you're like, all right, I feel good. I'm like motivated. I'm ready to start working out. And you get like a minute and a half into your run and you're like, I'm dying. This is terrible. <laughs> um, like your knee hurts and you're out of breath and it feels weird and you you're like, what is happening? And you have a choice where you could say, this feels weird. I, I'm not used to this. Like, I don't like it. And you just quit. Or you can kind of push through and it gets easier and it feels more natural. Um, and so I would just challenge you guys, honestly, this, this week to try to talk about God in your family one time every day. Um, it could be as simple as what I just said, just mentioning his name it could be um, intentionally having a time together. It could be choosing to pray together. It could be anything, but just try to mention him and it will become more natural as you go. Yeah, I love that so much because I do think, you know, it can feel intimidating mm -hmm. um, to like raise your kids to know God, um, especially when you're developing a relationship with him. Um, but I love these because they're so practical. They're so simple um, and they're just every day. So it's not, you know, it's, it's all the little things over time um, that help to get it inside of your kids. And so I love those examples, um, that it's just, you know, these baby steps, not specific sit down lessons, but just as you go together. Yeah. And kind of like you were talking about earlier, it just made me think that, um, you know, I didn't grow up knowing all the stories in the Bible and I didn't, um, have that to look to look back at. And sometimes it can be intimidating, like you were saying, they might ask questions that you don't know the answer to, or, um, they, may yeah they they just could you don't know enough sometimes it feels like but I don't think it has to be these theological lessons um it's as you go in these normal natural parts of your life um and I think there are some really intentional things we can also do um to do this and I think one of them is praying together um we in my family we make a point to pray together before meals we pray together before bed um we've started this year my oldest started kindergarten and we've started praying in the car on the way to school um, and it's just an opportunity for us to, like I said, reorient our heart towards God. It's good for me, <laughs> um, just like it's good for our kids. And I think there's something beautiful in allowing them to hear your authentic prayers. So there have been times that we have taught our kids really simple prayers, and those are so good. But there's been times that we've been struggling with something, and we want our kids to hear that our prayers are real too. We're not just saying this thing like we were talking about earlier, um, just to say it. It really matters. Um and so we've had like a neighbor that was sick and we've prayed hard prayers that our kids have heard because we want them to know that we we also go to God because it matters. Um, and when our kids were really little, um, we would kind of say something and have them repeat it to us. When they, were, they couldn't talk, we would just pray over them together. Um, but as they've gotten older, we've tried to teach them. I remember my, um, she's now three, but when she was one and a half, um, we would, you know, say, say, hey, God, and she would say, hey, God, and we'd say, I love you, and she'd say, I love you, and we'd say, amen, and she'd say, amen, we were like, great, and then there was a day where she was like, I'm going to do it myself, like, she she wanted to do that, and her prayer for the longest time was, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God, hey, God, 
hey God, amen. <laughs> and it was like, hey, you're talking to God. That is beautiful. And that's what we want. It doesn't have to be this perfect recited thing. Um, we just want them to have a posture that they naturally talk to God. Um, and we had a really cool moment earlier this year. Um, like I said, my oldest started kindergarten and she was really nervous about a test, which is still crazy to me that they test in kindergarten. Um, but she had a test um, kind of coming up to the end of the year. And somehow she got it in her head that if she didn't pass this test, she wasn't going to get to go to first grade. Um, and so she was genuinely worried about it. And she was talking to me about it in the car one morning. And my four-year-old, um, he was listening and he said, hey, we could pray for you, Avery, if you're feeling nervous. And so we did for like a week and a half every day, my three-year-old and my four-year-old and, and myself, we prayed for my six-year-old that was nervous. And it was just cool to see them know that they could go to God themselves and then to naturally do that for one another. Um, and that didn't happen because when they were six, we were like, okay, you're old enough and now you could start doing it. It was something that we just started doing when they were little. Um, so I think that's really cool, but I also don't want to paint the picture that is perfect. Um, at least probably two or three times a week when we say, Hey guys, we're going to pray together. Someone says, Oh, I hate praying. <laughs> um, because they do naturally say that. And I've had to remind myself that it's okay for them to say that because honestly, sometimes I don't want to do my quiet time. I don't want to stop what I'm doing and slow down enough to connect with God, but I do it because it's a discipline. And so in the same way I can respond to them and say, Hey, I know I get it. I don't always want to either, but this is something we think is important and we're going to choose to do it as a family. And so um, I don't want to paint the picture that it's this beautiful picture every time. There are definitely equally as amount of hard times to get them to do that. Um, but that is something that I think is important and valuable. Another thing we do is reread the Bible together. Um, and I, I remember when um, our oldest we uh, we had our second child and suddenly our oldest seemed a lot older um and so we were like oh man we need to like start doing this with them and so I again didn't have like an example of what this looked like and so I was like let's just start and so we started with a beginner's bible and we would just simply open the bible and read one story it's like three pages long and we would do it before bed and that was it um, if they asked questions as they got older, that was great. But that really is what we would do is we'd just read one story. And we've done that with the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, we've done that with different devotions. Um, my my son actually got a uh, like an adventure Bible, which is a full one um, when he graduated preschool. And he wants to read that now. Um, so it's cool to kind of see how that has grown. And we, we had previously always done this at night and our kids have gotten into some after school activities. And so on those nights where it's late getting to bed, we'll do it in the morning the next day, or um, you could do this at dinner. There's, there's all different ways that you, we could bring this in to what we're doing. It could even be in the car, finding something you can listen to together in the car. Yeah. And so, I mean, I taught preschool for, for years and years and years. And one of the, um, most influential ways to teach children, especially in the, um, you know, the first phase, that birth through pre-K phase is through songs mm -hmm. and stories. And, um, you know, it's really easy as parents to throw on, um, you know, the TV. Um, but one thing that I love um, that we've created um, here at Port City is a podcast and it's called um, Big Seeds, Little Heart, Big Hearts. I always get this wrong. <laughs> little seeds, little big hearts. seeds, big hearts. I will forever say it the wrong way, but um, I love it because it is um, 
Bible verse memory through, through songs. Um, it's stories and it's in a way that kids can actually grasp and understand and memorize. If you have ever heard like a song, um, like Coco Melon or whatever, your kids will sing that until you want to like plug your ears. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we can actually, instead of putting on Coco Melon, put on a podcast that's going to teach them to memorize scripture. And I love that so much because your kids will understand the meaning of that um, and be reminded of that in hard times. Like when you talk about like um, worry, you know, when your kids are worried to go into school and you can sing, you know, the song, like, don't worry about anything, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or prayer. Um, These are beautiful ways for your kids to be um, reminded and to memorize um, the truths of who God is and how much he loves them. So I love, I love that so much. Definitely check that out. Yeah. It's an easy way to bring that into what you're already doing. If you're riding in the car on the way to daycare or to the park, it's an easy thing to put on. It's 10 to 15 minutes. um, And it's just some truths that they can start getting in them and that you can have conversations about. Um, And I just want to say like, even some of these things, when you have little, little kids, you might think like, oh, my kid's three months old, like they're not going to get anything out of this. I'll wait until they're older. Um, But if you think about it, like we sing the ABCs to our kids when they're three months old Mm -hmm. and they don't understand the concept of letters and putting letters together to form words. And, and they may not get all of those things, but even some of those things I talked about earlier of saying, Oh, I see trees outside. God made the trees, man. God made birds and fish and people and all these things. You can just say those to get your kids. If they can't respond, you can still speak those truths over your kids and it'll start just planting seeds in them. Um, Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, which I know Rich also talked on this um, last week, but just the priority of going to church together with your family. Um, I think, again, it matters that they see that it matters to you. Um, It also matters that they see you connected to people. Um, I love on Sundays, my kids want to run down to the doors by the main auditorium and go see Mr. Leonard because they know him and they've gotten to know him because they see us having a relationship with him. Um, And it also matters for them to make connections. I remember when our oldest was really little, um, she was probably like two months old and we had her in Grozon and she cried <laughs> every single week. Um, and the Grozon volunteers were so nice and patient with her. And sometimes they held her even when she was crying and we were very sweet to her. And sometimes we would get called out and it would have been really easy to say, uh, I can't bring my kids to church right now. Like it's just too hard in the season. Um, but we continued going and it, I mean, it was hard. It was probably, she was nine months old, probably before she finally was comfortable being in there. Um, but what's really cool is she started forming these relationships. And even last week she um, asked me if I could call her teacher in Treasure Island because she wants to wear a sweatshirt to match her next week. Like they develop these relationships and it's so easy when things aren't picture perfect and they don't work out right. Just to say, we'll wait till later. We'll wait until they get older. We'll wait till it's easier. Um, but I think it matters to make these things a priority when they're very little and be okay with the mess. Um, God doesn't call us to be perfect. Just like he doesn't call our kids to be perfect. He just wants us to come to him and he wants us to try. And so, um, yeah, I just encourage you guys to kind of think through those things, to have conversations with one another about, um, what it could look like to start bringing him into your everyday moments. There are tons of opportunities and it will feel weird and it will feel different. Um, but I would just encourage you to start trying to do that. Yeah. So just as we wrap up, just to like kind of recap, um, what is the thing that you can try this week? Um, maybe that is, you know, 
committing to three times this week, you're going to sit down and have um, dinner together. Um, and even, you know, if that means putting the infant in the bouncer seat, you know, next to the table, um, maybe it's holding hands um, before dinner and praying or praying, um, you know, with your kids before bed or, or, you know, instead of turning on the music in the car, maybe you um, put on the podcast. Um, but just this week, you know, to just be intentional to try one thing. You know, I think Katie said one time a day, um, mentioning God, thanking him um, for the things he's done. Um, so yeah, think about those this week. What can you do? We'd love to hear um, what you try. Um, and then next week, um, we're going to be joined by Chris Sasser, our pastor of Family Ministries, as we talk about. Um, so what's next? What's next as you raise your kids um, to grow um, and to know God as God? Thanks for joining us.